cabinet, more than, more than half the people in my cabinet, more than half the women in, the, in my administration are women. Often asked, what is the best souvenir I got in two years as White House Chief of Staff? And my answer is very simple. It's this rock. <laughs> this plate, it's civil rock. And welcome back to Flyover Politics Podcast. It's the 5th of February, year of our Lord, 2022. Ah, what a good intro with half of my women of my administration are women and that lying sack of shit that if he wasn't a democrat would be called a lying sack of shit uh, crying and shit yeah so i come to you today with a heavy heart and i'm not acting i have been banned off twitter for seven days for this tweet and some of you will say, well, didn't we already go down this road? Why did you answer the question? Well, I a- answered the question because I thought things had changed on Twitter. And the question was, do you think transgenderism is a mental illness? I replied, it's a mental illness with or without treatment. They are unhappy people. That is based on the statistics Democrats push that even after they get their life-saving surgeries, They still are suicidal. Sad thing, since LGBTQIA became a religion, we ignore the higher suicide rates. Vets are 80% more likely to commit suicides than civilians, same age. Media ignores. Initially, it was violence. Then I appealed, and they said it was hateful conduct. Now, understand... Elon Musk just tweeted, when I'm in my French class and I can't remember the gender, and he did another transgender joking tweet this week. So I went to Instagram, this is most of you don't follow, I'm going to read what I wrote because it's what I feel, and then we'll move on to the subjects of the day. Suspended for Twitter for seven days for an opinion held by most of America, considered hateful, violent conduct. So when media says Twitter is a Nazi hellscape, remember my post. I answered yes to a question about a protected group and if it's a mental illness, and then ranted how that protected group has become more important than vets who commit suicide 80% more than civilian counterparts, but media doesn't care. I'm an old school, what would be considered liberal. I'm for every American living their life like they want. Don't care if you want to be a unicorn or have sex with aliens. I believe you should be on a street corner with a bullhorn yelling the opposite of what I think all day, and I should be able to be on the other street corner saying the opposite. I believe in brave support, freedom of speech, that all Americans live different 
worship different, have been to every state. Witness how unique and different we all are. And it made me proud to be an American. Somehow, since Trump became president, freedom of speech is for select arbiters to determine Twitter, which, or define Twitter, which our media use, sets the terms. For the record, I believe in God and Jesus. I believe Gigi Coke's a goddess and my dog Betsy's an angel. I root for the Packers, Ducks, Noah Gregson, Martin Truex. I thought Friends was stupid, never watched Seinfeld. I love hard rock, dislike country music. My hobbies are fishing, hiking on LBL, drawing, and podcasting. In all caps, I don't believe anyone has to believe or do anything I cherish. Not a single thing, nor respect any of my beliefs. This is America. You are free to be, love, worship, whatever. For 20 years, I defended those freedoms. It's why I sacrificed so much, but somehow that isn't what we are. We are dictated by the values of CRT and LGBTQIA+, both that are like Calvin Ball, changing every day. Twitter, Facebook set what free speech is. CNN, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, NBC, PBS, WAPO, New York Times dictate what information is, all the while calling all opposing facts disinformation. We are broken. We are 100% broken. Nothing in this tweet is hateful. It's factual. Based on the statistics given to me by the liberal people on Twitter. Somehow, some way, there is a transgenocide of suicides because they don't get accepted and we don't embrace them and want to be just like them and not have a gender. It is a religion based on the left and what Twitter just did, that that's hateful conduct. You cannot speak about these people. You cannot down these people. In my appeal, I asked, why is the question allowed if it's hateful conduct? The question itself should be hateful conduct, but I think it was inserted in my feed because somehow, some way, some libtard tranny up at fucking Twitter headquarters has been watching everything I tweet. I tweeted this a week ago. It is a religion. And lastly, vets commit suicide at 80% higher rate than everybody else. That is facts. Needless to say, I will now answer every one of these surveys with don't answer the survey. You'll get suspended. I did for not answering like Twitter wants you to. I've contacted Musk, Tucker Carlson, and anybody else who would listen. Not that I need my Twitter account because I really don't tweet that much. Because this is bullshit. Transgender is gender dysphoria, a mental illness. But you can't say that on Twitter. Twitter believes it's not. They believe like that freak who has a dick who acts like a woman and I can't remember her name. You're born like that. You're not. It's a mental illness. And as we'll see today, well, I'm going to play it right now. This is literally another child-focused YouTube channel to groom children. 
sometimes it can feel that trying to figure out who you are is a race, where you need to find your own identity as quickly as possible. But that's not true. Life is an adventure, and you don't have to do it alone. You have a whole community to back you up. From gay to pansexual, cis to non-binary, no matter how you identify, there is a wide spectrum of people that understand what you're going through. Over the years, people in the LGBTQ movement have consistently fought for their rights. In 1969, LGBTQ people led a series of demonstrations called the Stonewall Riots. In one of the biggest, spontaneous, most important displays of LGBTQ pride and defiance ever, a whole new generation of people were helped to see that it's okay to not conform to traditional views of gender. In the 70s, the Gay Liberation Front was established in the UK, encouraging people to come out by creating a sense of community. And in 1982, being gay was made legal throughout the UK. Fast forward to 2010, and it became illegal in the UK to discriminate against transgender people in the workplace. And in 2019, the World Health Organization no longer considered being transgender a mental or behavioral illness. The world continues to evolve, and though there's still much to do, things are moving in the right direction. The important thing to know is you are not alone, and you should always be proud of who you Sole intent to brainwash kids. Children. If it's not a mental illness, what the fuck is this? But I'm just going to be honest with you guys. I am fucking tired of TERFs making a mockery of real women. Oh, what? You were born with ovaries? You bleed every month? You have XX chromosomes? Yeah, that's cute. Tell me what other external factor that doesn't apply to all of you defines you. At the end of the day, you're out here thinking that trans women are making a mockery of you when it's the exact opposite. You are pretending that you know that you are a woman when the only people here who know that for sure are the ones who have put in the work to understand themselves, the trans women. You have put zero work in actually understanding yourself. You are only a woman because everybody else around you looked at the same external factors that you look at and said, mm, seems like woman behavior to me, and you went, all right. The only person making a mockery of womanhood is you because you do not fully understand what makes you a woman. Stop harassing trans women. I don't even identify as a woman and I'm more of a woman than you. It's okay to be scared of cishet men, but don't take it out on people who aren't even a fucking threat. If hyperrealism is what you're going for, get a silicone packer. But if you'd rather prioritize functionality, sustainability, and supporting trans artisans, get one of these. They're super lightweight, sweat and odor repellent, machine washable, zero waste, and can be safety pinned to underwear so they don't move around. And there's a sliding scale price range. DM me on Insta to order.
that was a dancing vagina. But no, we, we don't, it's not a mental illness. Being foisted on children so they become good activists. Activists. To an alibi from last show. There was a soundbite I played, and I'm not going to go replay it, but there was a soundbite where Biden said they extended it all uh, COVID restrictions until we get everything done. And I played it and missed it, but that point is pretty scary because it sums up why we've been doing all this. They just want emergency powers. They want emergency power. So I'm going to move into the balloon. Th- these are like the brain dead comments. Sunglasses, the confidence stance, the wind whipping through the cotton candy hair. What's not to love? Thank you for taking down the Chinese balloon. Trump would never have done that. Darth Biden. Now, before I play any of these sound bites, understand if Trump was installed as president, as you guys still believe, which, by the way, we have statistics today, 78% of Democrats believe that, even though it's completely false. It's disinformation and misinformation that was foisted on the American community. I'm going to be saying foisted a lot today because it's stuck on my mind. Foisted on the American community by a media who now the only thing they talk about is disinformation and misinformation. And the whole goddamn thing was disinformation and misinformation that they all won awards and wrote books on. What, the, what would be the comments of Trump linked to China, his son getting money from China, letting a balloon go all the way to the East Coast, and then shooting it off when it's in the water after it's already accomplished a mission? What would they be saying? I, I think we know. That's where it landed on radar. The White House kept the balloon presence under wraps for fear of derailing the Blinken trip until local media in Billings, Montana, published a picture. The FAA paused it. This was all from Twitter, which I can read. I just can't post. They even saw the planes vectoring towards it. Fuselagzi Spock. He nails it. So now that the balloon completed its mission, we're going to make some sort of ridiculous and expensive military show to prove what? Officials say there's likely a third Chinese balloon. This is the second one. We never knew about the first. Today's deliberate and lawful action demonstrates that President Biden and his national security team have always put the safety and security of the American people first while responding effectively to the PRC's unacceptable violation that we allowed to completely happen. We did nothing to stop. Here's the reality. It geosatellited everything. Everything. So here's a montage of the balloon of the Air Force fuck saying it, of Biden saying that he let it go Wednesday and was told, and then every angle I could possibly get off Twitter of us shooting down a balloon that had already transmitted everything they needed to know back to China. We know that it's a surveillance balloon. 
uh, and I'm not going to be able to be more specific than that. Uh, we do know that the balloon has violated U.S. airspace and international law, uh, which is unacceptable. And so we've conveyed this directly to the PRC at multiple levels. Uh, and in terms of specific locations, uh, I'm not going to be able to go into specific locations again, other than to say it's moving eastward at this time. Briefed on the balloon, I ordered the Pentagon to shoot it down on Wednesday as soon as possible. They decided without doing damage to anyone on, on the ground. They decided that the best time to do that was as it got over water outside within our within 12 mile limit. They successfully took it down and I want to compliment our aviators who did it and we'll have more to report on this uh, a little later. Thank you. The same President, what did you say about China? What's your message to China? You were saying the recommendation from your was from your national security. I told them to shoot it down. On Wednesday. On Wednesday. But the recommendation. They from said to me, let's wait till the safest place to do it. What does this mean for China relations with China? All right, short and sweet. And Wait, there's a pair, there's something falling. So basically, they just let it happen. And from the Bloomberg article, U.S. officials that had, had spent hours debating whether Blinken should scrap a long-planned trip to Beijing finally felt they had no choice but to postpone the first high-level visit to China in five years. A delay was not a cancellation. It sent a signal that the U.S. had no desire to escalate matters. The sentiment among those in the room was that the trip wasn't worth the potential domestic political cost of going Given that Blinken's talk in China were not expected to yield much, Biden's team worried that the incident would serve as more fodder for Republicans who believe the administration is weak on China, especially if the balloon crashed and hurt someone while Blinken was in Beijing. Fodder. Fodder. So just like Clinton with the tossing shit, Uh, tents. We we worry about the politics. This is Ben Collins. Yeah, it's all a joke. Happy fucking times. Then Schumer and company get in with the, oh my God, he's so strong. He's so strong. He's the best. 
Reality is Air Force sees a national security threat in Chinese-owned corn mill where they can see our fucking nukes. That's why they bought it. Republicans have shown more concern over a stupid weather balloon than a... God, I can't read shit. I gotta get glasses. Than a virus. That was Brad Krensenstein. Because, we, you know, never let a crisis go to waste. Ever. Don't do it. These fucking twats. Ben Collins' other joke. It's popping time. Popping. It's just stupid. It's just all stupid. Why would you care? Why would you care about this? Bill Crystal, once again, a, a conservative. If the balloon had anti-black history message stenciled on it and were dropped anti-trans pamphlets down on Earth, if they were broadcasting denunciations of wokeness nonstop, Meg would be pro-balloon. See, because it's all political. See, that's how they think. They, they think about it. It's all politics. They knew for a fucking week. They did nothing about it because they're weak sauce. Just weak individuals that everything's political. Chris Hayes, digging real, real deep to try to get myself to care about the Chinese spy balloon and coming up empty. I mean, it's a wild story, fascinating for sure, but it doesn't freak me out in a visceral way. Well, it will when they take out our nukes. This paid subscriber. Yeah, it's about... uh, January 6th. And then this came out. For once, breaking news is accurate. How is it accurate? Let's let's read it. The U.S. shot a Chinese spy balloon over the Atlantic Ocean in a dramatic saga that inflamed tensions between the two powers. If this was Trump, he'd be impeached. He would be fucking impeached. This this is the left in a nutshell. It's perfect. Republican politicians say should shoot down the spy balloon. Don't understand the complexity of the situation. Do they think they know more than the professionals in our military? The Chinese spy balloon has been shot down. Thank you, Biden, and our terrific military. I just can't believe we let it all happen. We, we just, we did nothing. There were memes, memes. This is what Mediate put out because that was the important thing. It's so funny because, you know, we can't use it like we would for any other fucking situation. I mean, why would we? Trump would be impeached. Why U.S. is revealing location of Bradley fighting vehicles in Russia? Why would we do that? We even gave them Hercules tank recovery vehicles. They're not going to cover veterans sue Biden administration over new gun restriction. Military veterans file lawsuit challenge Biden administration election and second crackdown. I'm going to watch Great American Road Trip, blah, 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 blah. And it's basically the PTSD angle. I'm taking guns away from people. Pompeo, Biden's weakness on spy balloon assures Chinese aggression. New York Times, look up in the sky. It's a Chinese spy balloon. How the balloon went from a local sky oddity to an international diplomatic disruptor to a shriveled Kleenex. 
Top armed service Democrat, China embarrassed by balloon incident. Trying to cover for Biden. FLOTUS expresses a sense of pride about how our military shot down the balloon, noting that coordination and specifically how thoughtful it was that it was decided to wait until it was over water. Why do we care what Dr. Biden says? Peter Son, would the Biden men have shot down the Chinese spy balloon and the public hadn't found out about it? They only admitted its existence after it was printed, and that's true. They would not. Task and purpose. U.S. military shoots down Chinese spy balloon. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. No disparagement because they're all libs. All liberals over there. Biden and uh, Brian Anderson, the Biden admin, discovered the Chinese spy balloon January 28th and allowed it to fly over Alaskan air bases. Yeah, that's good stuff. So before we go into the story of the day before the balloon, House Republicans call for Al Jazeera press credentials to be suspended, demand company register as a foreign agent. Media got pissed off. This was a big thing this week. We'll listen to it live. After we go through a fucking commercial. Sorry. Well, fuck it. I'll download it. That's just fucking weird. What's going on? Come on. What's going on, man? Yeah, we'll do it that way. We'll do it live, goddammit! D.L. Hughley, bashing Kamala. Let's hear what he said, because it was huge on Mediate. They were not happy. <laughs> and in uh, some other news, uh, of course, the memorial service for Tyree Nichols uh, was held today. Um, there were a lot of things that were interesting about the funeral, but there was something that was slightly different. An emotional farewell in Memphis, Tennessee. That's where hundreds of people gathered this afternoon for the funeral service for Tyree Nichols, who was remembered as a loving brother, son, and father. And this was also a call for justice, with Vice President Harris and the Reverend Al Sharpton pledging to get policing reform passed. That is right. It is the very first time in history that a president or vice president that have, have attended the funeral of, of a black person that was slain by the police. So, not even Obama. He didn't go either. So, he's saying a lot of ama- grace, amazing grace a lot of times, but not by people that were killed, black people that were killed by the police. But, but Kamala went, and I'm very proud, and I'm happy she showed up in black mode, not in cop mode, because... Uh... Boom. They were upset about that. It trended on Twitter, but... It's factual. And then lastly, a new bill would ban anyone under 16 from using social media. Washington Post did not like this. They were very upset. But we restrict them for all other things. And right now, if anything, with just the little bit of you know, investigating I've done, on Operation Let's Brainwash and Groom Kids, it's pretty scary. I mean, if you really believe I'm making it up, any Twitter employees that are scouting this so they can find another way to fucking ban me, uh, just set up a nine-year-old account. I did it. 
And then I searched LGBT, and it just fed me, just like that guy. It fed me this bullshit, um, which is totally unacceptable. So this week's big outrage was that the House did what, you know, Democrats did, but when you do it against Democrats, it somehow becomes racist, sexist, Islamophobic, fucking phobic, phobic, and all that shit. So I want to go in the Wayback Machine. We're going to listen to a little segment by Mr. Uh, Ben Shapiro. And you will hear uh, the things that she said before and why she's getting shown the door. Of course. So in, um, in November of 2012, she tweeted, Israel has hypnotized the world. May Allah awaken the people and help them see the evil doings of Israel. Hashtag Gaza, hashtag Palestine, hashtag Israel. That was in the middle of Hamas firing rockets into Israel. But Israel, the Jews, the Jews, they hypnotized the world. Hey, fast forward to 2016. And you'll recall that Ilhan Omar actually asked a judge for compassion for ISIS re- recruits. So there are people in her community who had been recruited to ISIS. And she sent letters to the judge encouraging leniency for the people who had been recruited to ISIS. And the reason, supposedly, that there should have been some sort of mercy for these people is because they, in fact, are victims. She says, this is in her letter at the time, the best deterrent to fanaticism is a system of compassion. We must alter our attitude and approach. If we truly want to affect change, we should refocus our efforts on inclusion and rehabilitation. The desire to commit violence is not inherent to people. It is the consequences of systemic alienation. People seek violent solutions when the process established for enacting change is inaccessible to them. Fueled by disaffection turned to malice, if the guilty were willing to kill and be killed fighting perceived injustice, imagine the consequence of them hearing, I believe you can be rehabilitated. I want you to become part of my community. Together we will thrive. So the, the idea is that you are a victim if you're trying to join ISIS, a victim of systemic alienation. And so we, she, she had a spate of wonderful tweets in 2019. So she was uh, tweeting against Nita Lowy. Nita Lowy, by the way, was um, a, um, a Democrat from the state of New York. And Nita Lowy had tweeted that she didn't like that Ilhan Omar was um, mischaracterizing support for Israel as somehow dual loyalty. And she then tweeted out, quote, our democracy is built on debate, Congresswoman. I should not be expected to have allegiance or pledge support to a foreign country in order to serve my country in Congress or serve on a committee. So no one expects Ilhan Omar to declare support for a foreign country, like allegiance to Israel in order to serve on a committee. If you want to serve on the Foreign Affairs Committee, I mean, obviously, in the past, the Democrats could appoint you to that. But if, if you want to make a moral case, you should serve on the Foreign Affairs Committee. It seems like a baseline thing that you probably should not sympathize with the terrorists who are trying to destroy a Democratic ally of the United States. That's a very different thing from declaring that you are somehow a, a, a allegiant to, to the state of Israel, which, of course, another anti-Semitic trope is the only reason why people would support Israel is because Israel bought them off or they have dual loyalty. This, of course, followed hard on another tweet from hers, the famous All About the Benjamins tweet in October of 2019. It's all about the Benjamins. So Kevin McCarthy in 2019, he threatened punishment for Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib over their criticisms of Israel, according to Glenn Greenwald, right? Glenn Greenwald is uh, very left-wing when it comes to Israel. And Ilhan Omar said, it's all about the Benjamins. It's all about the Benjamins, right? It's the Jews who bought off 
Kevin McCarthy and, uh, and the rest of the Republican Party. And remember, her hatred of the Jews in Israel is uh, not confined to that. She also believes that, that America is really bad. Uh, by the way, she, she compared BDS, Boycott, Divestment, and Sanctions from Israel, which is a State Department-defined act of anti-Semitism, right? The idea that Israel should be cut off from the world economy because they are the Jewish state. Here she was suggesting that BDS is basically supporting the Tea Party in the United States. We must support efforts to end the occupation and see, reach, achieve two-state solution. We should condemn in the strongest terms violence that perpetuates the occupation, whether it is perpetuated by Israel, Hamas, or individuals. But we, if we are going to condemn violent means of resisting the occupation, we cannot also condemn nonviolent means. This week, I introduced a resolution with civil rights leader, our colleague, John Lewis, and Rashida Tlaib, who know the importance of nonviolence movements. It recognizes the proud history of boycott movements in this country dating back to the Boston Tea Party. Yeah, but boycotting a Democratic ally of the United States is basically the same thing as the Boston Tea Party, according to Ilhan Omar. This, of course, was the same year that she declared that Israel was very much akin to the Nazis, essentially. Um, she, she suggested also that the United States and Israel are kind of like the Taliban. So that was a solid one. She tweeted this out. She tweeted out, quote, we must have the same level of accountability and justice for all victims of crimes against humanity. This is in 2021. We have seen unthinkable atrocities committed by the U.S., Hamas, Israel, Afghanistan, and the Taliban. This is in June of 2021. So she compares the United States, Hamas, an actual terrorist group that hands out candies when innocent civilians are slaughtered, Israel, Afghanistan, and the Taliban. According to Ilhan Omar, they are all part of the same category. Well, I mean, I, I wish that for Ilhan Omar they were because she seems to have significantly more sympathy for Hamas than she does for Israel. And she seems to have significantly more sympathy for um, particular regimes in the Middle East than she does for the United States when it comes to their human rights records. And she has a lot to say about the United States' human rights record and virtually nothing to say about particular countries in the Middle East. And again, this is the same Ilhan Omar who downplayed 9-11 very famously. Here she was doing that. CARE was founded after 9-11 because they recognized that some people did something and that all of us were starting to lose access to our civil liberties. Ah, some people. So basically, she's a human piece of fucking shit. We know that. And a narcissist who put a huge picture up when you, you, you hear her soundbite, and I think I got her soundbite in here. Um... Let me make sure I did. I don't think I did. No, I didn't. Let me get her soundbite in here because, God, God, what's wrong with me? I went for the, the, the good shit, and I forgot to get the dumb shit. Uh, she has a picture of herself back when she was a, a refugee, and we all need to just feel sorry for her and shit. I didn't come to Congress to be silent. I came to Congress to be their voice. And my leadership and voice will not be diminished if I am not on this committee for one term. My voice will get louder and stronger 
and my leadership will be celebrated around the world as if don't tell me that this is about an abdic a condemnation of anti-semitic remarks when you have a member of the republican caucus who, have, who has talked about jewish space lasers and an, an entire amount of tropes and also elevated her to some of the highest committee assignments in this body this is about targeting women of color in the in the united states of america don't tell me because i didn't get a single apology when my life was threatened thank you perspective. So let's talk about what's really happening. Republicans are waging a blatantly Islamophobic and racist attack on Congresswoman Omar. And I've said it before, I will say it again. The white supremacy happening is unbelievable. This is despicable. It is Congresswoman Omar who has been harassed at her job for simply existing as a Muslim woman in Congress. It is she who has been attacked by a member of this body ridiculing her as a potential terrorist for simply existing as a Muslim woman in this Congress. They introduced a bill to ban federal employees from engaging in censorship. Where are the free speech warriors today? The hypocrisy is obvious to the American people. You are showing who you all are, really. The gentlewoman's time has expired. Omar will not be silenced. The gentlewoman's time has expired. Omar, the gentlewoman's so time has expired. That our country is failing you today through this chamber. It was so theatrical that there was actually memes afterwards that I thought were just fucking hilarious. I want the world. I want the whole world. Du, meine Arbeit für Richtigkeit. Ob du glaubst, dass ich fleißig gewesen bin, dass ich gearbeitet habe, dass ich nicht in diesen Jahren für Just fuck little orphan Annie shit. AOC says removing Omar Foreign Affairs Committee is racism and incitement of violence against women of color. One of the disgusting legacies after 9-11 has been the targeting of racism against Muslim American throughout the U.S. You know, this is just like why I got banned off fucking Twitter. You're just making shit up. You're making it up. It is such fucking horse shit. She said some people did something. She mocked 9-11. That's why she's getting taken off. It has nothing to do that she's a, basically a terrorist. Oh, did I say that? Well, that's just fucking horror. And then, of course, she gets on all the TV. They brought them all out. Here's the media coverage. Uh, they just were up in fucking arms that the GOP did exactly what they did. One of the things we know across the world is that violence comes from despair. And you now have among Palestinians the deepest dis kind of despair. Palestinians in the West Bank have lived for over 50 years without the most basic of rights. This is the kind of truth-telling that the Biden administration won't do. The truth is that in the West Bank, the West Bank is apartheid. Pa Jews have citizenship, the right to vote, the right to free movement, the right to be citizens of the country in which they live. Palestinians have none of those things, and there's no prospect there was a time when there was at least a dim prospect. There's no prospect right well, now, and that's very volatile. That seems to be, I mean, the, the, the point about uh, the, the status of uh, uh, Palestinian people in the West Bank, right? The idea that it was an interim way station on the way to the two-state solution, which is going to be the, the ultimate destination of the road, 
That's one thing. The idea that this is it, this is what it's going to be, which ostensibly the Netanyahu government and others say, no, we're still going, we're still committed to the two-state solution, but it just doesn't seem like anyone believes that, even there, I feel like. But maybe uh, Netanyahu has been saying that to the Western world. This is his propaganda. He's using the two-state solution as a cover. It's like, yeah, we, there is a two-state, but de facto, he said it on CNN, and he's saying to the Israeli and to his far-right coalition, Jewish supremacy is the law of the land. They approved in 2018, basically, uh, nation-state uh, law, which suggests that only Jews are entitled to self-determination. All the others are basically entitled to subjugation, control, oppression, etc. And and you're seeing this far-right government. I mean, we're talking about the last period. And shift for both white guys. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's not about race, but this is. Well, you know, I think when we look at all three of these, first of all, when you look at Swalwell and Schiff, um, they're targeting and, and the Republican Party's targeting of all three of them have always been about campaigning and it has always been about the perspectives that they bring. It is about political revenge in the case of all three of them, uh, political revenge for Adam Schiff for his work on the impeachment of Donald Trump, political revenge with Eric Swalwell in the incisive, uh, his incisive ability to communicate against the Trump administration and the wrongdoings of the Republican Party. So um, it's pretty stark, uh, Michael Steele, the hypocrisy. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's such a great point by AOC that she actually had somebody, um, Gosar, uh, uh, threatening her life, uh, glorifying uh, a, a, an image of her getting her head chopped off in, in, in a cartoon. Uh, and then you, you go down the MTG things, uh, the killing, uh, the decapitating, uh, well, the, 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 all the other things, and the space lasers financed by Jewish families. Um, and of course, of course, She's holding a gun. I think it was an AR-15 in an yeah. ad and said that she needed to go on the elector so she'd go on the offensive against the squad. Uh, and, and there was a picture of, of Ilhan Omar, AOC. I mean, it really is. Again, the, the hypocrisy is absolutely, absolutely crazy. And I will say, uh, uh, Congresswoman... Omar made a couple of uh, statements that were considered anti-Semitic. She apologized for them. Good day. I'm Andrea Mitchell in Washington. This breaking news now, you just watched it on the House floor. A heated debate is underway, leading up to Republicans planning to hold that vote this hour to remove Democratic Congresswoman Ilhan Omar from the Foreign Affairs Committee over her frequent criticism of Israel. She later apologized for some of her, her comments, but stood by others. Omar is a Somali refugee and one of the first Muslim Americans to serve in Congress. So, Yamish, Congressman Omar is saying that she's being targeted because she's an immigrant, because she was Somali-born. You saw the reaction to her comments on the floor. She showed that picture of herself as a nine-year-old refugee. 
And there are some people who especially are critics of this action by Republicans who agree with her, who say there's a special kind of discrimination that black women, that immigrants face. And she was saying that she wanted to use her voice to remind Republicans that even if she's taken off of this committee, that she's still going to be able to be someone who can go to the podium, who can talk a lot uh, and talk a lot and really use her power as a sitting member of Congress to still be able to share her views. She's, of course, part of the squad. And you know, I have to say about her, though, something that she said that... I'm not sure. I mean, I, I get what you're saying. Be, believe me, I understand that because the right wing is very hypo hypocritical. But she said that she did not know that what she said that was construed as anti-Semitic, she didn't know that that was what they call a, a trope, a Jewish trope. And that she didn't know that. Now, that they, 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 people equate money with Jews, for instance. I don't believe her. Well, I, I do. I think she's an immigrant. I think she's had a different experience. She's been here a I long think that's, time. That's a trope that's, that's largely you hear in, in, in this country. So I'm not surprised that she didn't know. And that I is not a trope. Excuse me. Well, that is not a trope that is just here in this country. That is a maybe, worldwide trope. And, and maybe it's everywhere. Let me just, let me just say this. But the, the other, the other piece of it, Joy, is that, you know, I take her at her word that she didn't know. And she nevertheless apologized and met with Jewish Fine, members that's of, good. Of, Kong, of, of her caucus. That's the other good. thing I, I, I think is, I don't think this is hypocrisy. I think it's pure racism. And I think we should call that out when we see it and we hear it and we look at it. Yeah. I don't think it's hypocrisy because she was um, elected in 2018, I believe. Yeah, 2018. She has been the subject of targets, <coughs> racial targets or racialized targets since then. I will guarantee today this will be the lead on all of the shows. The, the, you know, MTP, that it was just, oh, my God, how could you do it? Jeffrey's on GOP effort to remove Representative Omar. Representative Omar certainly has made mistakes. She has used anti-Semitic tropes that were clearly and unequivocally condemned by the House Democrats when it took place. No, they weren't. You refused to condemn that. You had to add all the Islamophobic shit to get it actually to pass. So she was never specifically condemned. Ever. You lie. Anna Navarro, uh, once again, a conservative in the media. I don't like or agree with Omar. She said and apologized for awful things. She never did. She said that she didn't understand language. Actually, Nancy Pelosi used that very same language that she didn't know language. So she's illiterate. But it's a new level of hypocrisy to kick her off the committee. How? Media, once again, it's all about protecting Democrats. Don't say the truth that you did it first and it was unprecedented. And finally, for the first time, Republicans did the same thing you did. House Republicans vote to remove Omar. And in the article, nothing. AP was my favorite. It was trending on Twitter. Twitter loved this article. House Republicans voted to oust Democrat Representative Ilhan Omar from the House Foreign Affairs Committee. The vote to remove Somali-born Muslim lawmaker came after Somali-born. But this is who they are. Here is uh, the, the House, the minority of House Democrats to vote to Republicans idiotic and perform a resolution on socialism. They wouldn't even vote for that because why would they? You know, why would you? They're garbage people. Here are two leftist crazy vids that I wanted to play up front. One is the governor of um, Iowa getting heckled. 
of our educators, the ones that I talk to, and the ones that I know that you encounter every day are doing great work. They want what they want, and that is the best for our children. It is, again, just a small but loud minority that's trying to change our education because we need these teachers and we need them now more than ever. To our media section, Laura Ingram and Jim Jordan repeat falsehood that DOJ referred school parents as terrorists. I'm going to play this because no they didn't say it wrong. You called them domestic terrorists. On October 4th, 2021, Attorney General Merrick Garland sent a memo to FBI Director Chris Wray and federal prosecutors giving the latter the green light to target parents who might be getting out of line at school board meetings. Well, a few months later, we learned that the memo that basically compared concerned parents to terrorists was requested at the behest of the education secretary, Miguel Cardona. Now, breaking tonight, they are getting their comeuppance. Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan has just issued the first subpoenas of his committee and served these three men. Joining me now, Chairman Jordan himself, Congressman, lay out what happens now and why these three. Well, because th these are these are the three that had the communications prior to, as you pointed out, the memorandum ever being sent. So we want to get all those communications because we always think they, they used the school board's letter that came on September 29, 2021. That was the pretext to do what they wanted to do anyway, which was go spy on the the American people on parents showing up at school board meetings advocating for their for their son or daughter. So we want to get those communications. We've seen a few of them, but we haven't seen them all. We have sent countless letters time and time again, and we get nothing in response. So now we said, we're going to issue a subpoena and see if we can get those documents to prove what we think actually happened, what a few few pieces of, a uh, few emails have kind of shown happened, that they were talking before they ever issued the memorandum, which treated moms and dads as domestic terrorists. Now, your subpoena um, for Ray asked for all documents and communications sent or received by um, a number of individuals referring, relating to the FBI investigations of the school board threats. You list several parents yeah. that were targeted by the Biden administration. Now, Congressman, what made the parents who were listed as significant? One mom was simply in the group Moms for Liberty and had firearms at her house. If that makes you a target, because some, some tattletale neighbor, some snitch neighbor reports you on Merrick Garland's snitch line, if that makes you a target and you get a visit by the FBI, for goodness sakes, that's half the people I represent in the 4th District of Ohio. That's how ridiculous this was. And remember, Laura, we've had now over dozens of FBI agents come to us as whistleblowers. The very first one, the very first agent to step forward, stepped forward on this issue about a year ago, stepped forward and said, here's what they were doing. Here's the threat tag, the designation they put on moms and dads' names. And 25 parents got a visit from the FBI. 
Now, look, we don't want anyone threatening people at school board meetings. We don't want any uh, school officials threatened by, by parents. But if there is something, the local law enforcement handle that. We don't need a federal snitch line where some busybody tattletale reports you because they don't like your politics. And then the FBI shows up at your house, which they did 25 times, 25 different parents. And we want to know how they put this together. Understand, they put this together, in my judgment, because they thought it was going to help Terry McAuliffe win the Virginia Democrat, uh, Virginia's governor's race. You know, I, I love the selective outrage. This is, you know, of course, uh, Dan Abrams' site, Mediate. They just, they didn't like it. Our next one was a huge section that went really crazy, and it was all over Twitter and everywhere, and then Megyn Kelly got brought into the shit, and she was called a piece of shit for pointing it out, and in the scheme of things, it's not that big a deal, but this is still uh, very rare you see CNN hosts yell at each other. Brittany Grinder, the WNBA star who was, has been detained in Russia and was at a penal colony, faced nine years there, has been released in a prison swap with Victor Booth, the Russian arms dealer. President Biden, as you see there uh, on the right-hand side of your screen, you see President Biden expected to speak at the White House at any uh, moment now. And one he thing was to briefed, watch. Stand by one second. He was briefed throughout the morning. It was a way to confirmation from Grinder. Moment now. And one he thing was to briefed, watch. Stand by one second. He was briefed. Did you want to wait? Um, no, I think we should bring in Jonathan Franks. Uh, okay, so there was some interrupting. It happens when you co-host a show. It happens. I co-hosted a, host a show with Bill Helmer for three years. I was on the air with Brett Baer more times than I can count. And sometimes somebody gets on your nerves. What you, what you don't do is scream at them after the fact. Later you say, oh, we stepped on each other. Oh, we, we, it's all about servicing the audience if you're a professional. If you're a douchebag, you scream at the woman next to you and blame it on her. Uh, so here's the thing, though. Uh, again, I've co-hosted more hours than I can count with a lot of guys with big egos, appropriately big egos. And never, never has have I screamed at a colleague after like a co-host or had him scream at me. We've had charged disagreements, had a charged disagreement with Chris Wallace one time. We we're never screaming at each other. And you Anything to deflect from what's going on in our country, the media will go with. That's like an old clip, and it was just all over the place. And I don't understand. He didn't really yell. Then we have MSNBC invokes the Bible while claiming Russia and China love DeSantis. Oh, my God. This is the perfect liberal media trope right in a, practice, in a package. First of all, the menstrual, I'm speechless that you would, you've taken away Roe v. Wade, and now you are telling female athletes that they have to uh, report their menstrual flows. Do they have the boys report when their testicles drop? I mean, I don't understand. I, I, I didn't hit puberty until I was 17. Does that mean yes. I was going to have to sit on the asexual bench for all my cheerleading? I like, mean, how's that going to work? Yeah, some girls don't even get their periods for, because they're, they're athletic. And they, it's just, it is mind-boggling. Less government, but you cannot control your body or, or keep private your medical history. It's, I, I, I don't, I'm... John, last night on this network, Stephen A. Smith said, Ron DeSantis, I might agree with him on a whole lot of policies, but I'm going to stop at him dictating African-American studies in any state, in any school in this country. What do you think? 
I, I think that he's completely right about that. And America needs to be right about this. You cannot decide which part of the history you want to learn about. All of our history is rich and important. This is uh, 1960, all over again. This is 1865, all over again, where we're stoking fears, deciding we are separate. Uh, the Bible says a house divided cannot stand. There, that supposedly, this party is about this higher idea. Well, let's go right to the Bible. We're only better together. And, and, and as saint is a sinner that got up. We're all Such garbage people, Jesus Christ. Then you have this one, not an anomaly. 2020 red states have higher murder rates because the cities are run by Democrats. They, they don't say that because that would ruin the stat. Washington Post fact checker admits using faulty data to dismiss good guys with guns, so they use every town. We've been saying that forever. Ever. More media malpractice. The Pelosi attack, the 2020 election, QAnon, these are all sub-conspiracy theories of the central animating one on the right. Democrats are evil. So we're going to flip reality, which is... The left thinks conservatives are evil. We just think they're fucking wrong on its head. Because why? We're Democrats. The reshuffling of the primaries in itself says everything about the Democratic Party in a nutshell because they don't think about right and wrong, America, what's good for America, nothing. They just think about identity politics which now just got a cop shot because you ramped up that all cops are evil again. And we're not going to cover that in the media. That's something we just don't cover. Kelly O'Donnell is starting to bark back when presidents meet house speakers in a long traditional White House press pool covering a portion of the meeting to document that for the day's news and historical record. Today's first meeting was omitted. They were not allowed. So that was Biden that happened. You're not actually journalists. What happens when the government dictates media press? Another liberal wrote this a week ago because now they can't get the access they want. Columbia Journalist Review torches media for Trump-Russia catastrophe. And there's the stat I was talking about. Look at that. IPIS, 48% of Americans, 84% of Democrats, a 70% of Republicans, still believe that Trump or his campaign worked with Russia to influence the 2016 election. Democrats saw Mueller report as a template to impeach the president. But it's wrong. It's 100% wrong, and the 17% is never Trumpers who spend every waking day like Bill Kristol and the Lincoln Project figuring out how the hell can we make Trump go away? This one from the fucking WAPO cracked me. The GOP base is still resentful over COVID response. Yeah, do you think? You call this baby killers. Brian, who no longer has a job, is writing this, the roadmap for local news. Here, I'll cliff note it since I read the article. Be libs. Push only articles that help Democrats. Ensure it stays the party line. And last but not least, all of this shows CNN's got its worst ratings for fucking ever. 
So we're going to have uh, the view, the pledges, garbage, and Wapru, uh, WAPO after everything we've seen. Literally saying, there's nothing there there for Biden's laptop. I also want to point out that Congress has already been saying the Pledge of Allegiance at work every day since 1988. You know, and this is the Judiciary Committee, right? So wouldn't it be better show of patriotism to be working on issues like police violence, mass shootings, prison reforms? You know, it, it, you know this. You know, people, I, I don't know what it's going to take for them to recognize that people don't, they're not fooling, we're not fooling around. The people of the United States are not fooling around. You wasted everybody's time yeah. suggesting your people do what they already do. Yeah. What, what is well, this waste he, he, of time? A lot of, a lot of the, those folks that have been newly appointed to that committee yeah. are hypocrites. The problem that I have is with this narrative of, of American exceptionalism exceptionalism that we've been taught since we were kids. I mean, I, I set the Pledge of Allegiance, you know, all through my life in school. And then when I got into college, I took an African-American history course. And I started realizing that the actual Pledge of Allegiance doesn't apply to a lot of our citizens. Say they, you know, bat a thousand on their Hunter Biden hearings. What is the... I mean, there's nothing that I've seen in any of the stories about any of this that suggests any of it had anything to do with his father. What is the end game? other than humiliating the president's son. I mean, that may be the, the end game, uh, it, you know, because we've spent a lot of time with the laptop and we've looked a lot at it and, and there isn't much that ties uh, the president to any wrongdoing. And our last of the top six that'll go straight into military corner is Joe Rogan's preaching some goddamn truth. Did you see the conversation that I had with Jan Werner about that? I did not know. Yeah, we, there was the exact same thing where he was talking about that the government should be regulating the internet. That's crazy. And I was like, That's crazy. what are you talking That's about? That's anti-First Amendment. It's, That's like the first, <laughs> the very first thing in the Constitution. He just has this idea of the government, and by government he means left-wing government only, he, he, that they're going to be altruistic and they're going to look at it the right way and do the right thing. I'm like, what are you saying? I'm like, these are the same people that brought us into the Iraq war under false pretenses. He's like, no, no no that was politicians I go that's the government government is politicians well we need better politicians like no 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 you need people to be able to sort this shit out it's gonna be messy that's the thing it is, is gonna want, be messy yeah they want mm -hmm. it to be not messy there's no right. way there's no way right. you got to accept the fact that it's going to be messy who's gonna watch the watchmen is the old saying yes. so like you set up this yes. you set up this like you know this this overlord group that gets to determine everything but it's like mm -hmm. what about when they're wrong and they're going to be wrong from time to time because sometimes the conventional wisdom ends up being wrong. Sometimes yes. it ends up being right. But you never you don't know. You have to like you said, it's going to be messy. You got to try to figure it out. And anybody putting their thumb on the scale and trying to change the outcome by, you know, fiat from above. Yes. That's not the way it's supposed to work.
loading in for a flight with the screaming eagles of the 101st Airborne Division. Soldiers who take living on the edge to the next level. Conducting air assault drills out of Black Hawk helicopters on the very edge of NATO territory. We're the closest uh, U.S. Army formation to, to the fight in Ukraine right now. We're taking it as close as we can to combat, right? So we're preparing for large-scale combat operations. We're exercising on the ground which, which we might fight, you know, if we were to have to defend NATO. VOA joined Colonel Ed Mathitis, the commander of the 101st 2nd Brigade Combat Team, on a Black Hawk ride north along Romania's Black Sea coastline. You have tallies approaching. You still don't remember a thing. I don't remember any of it. I only remember the interpreter. Why he wants this job? I need the money. Don't disappoint and turn out to be a pain in the ass. No, not me, sir. Money isn't the reason he wants this job. It's Alabama killed his son. Stop the vehicle, Sergeant. We don't want to go down this road. You're out of your bounds, Ahmed. You're here to translate. Actually, I'm here to interpret. John, you have tallies approaching. believed you were dead. We owe that man your life. There wasn't enough for him to carry me across those mountains. Now he's hiding in a hole somewhere. I should be in that hole. You could stand me Everything all right, John? No, everything's not all right. There is a hook in me. Ahmed and his family are in trouble. We can't intervene. I'm gonna have to get him out myself. Listen, you're gonna be alone. You're gonna adapt. Here's what you got. If you can give me the location, if I can get him out of the country, it's too dangerous. You'll become very popular with the Taliban. I miss you. Love you, Daddy. Love you, Daddy. You think if I could be free of this debt, I wouldn't be? You think I have a choice? There is no choice. No, I won't back down. That was some cool shit. That's from 18th Airborne Corps overseas. I Fort Campbell soldiers repelling into Austin P and the new Jake and Hall, uh, Jake Gillen Hall movie. I can't speak today. Um, the Covenant. It's a rescue movie. Looks actually pretty good, so I'll be checking that one out. Wanted to start with a article I saw on Twitter that 
Vinman leads for new push to send military contractors overseas. So I want to go back through my biggest bitch that Matt and Oregon probably gets sick of hearing. Why Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vinman wore his uniform impeachment? Lieutenant Colonel Vinman's uniform spoke loud. His humanity spoke louder. The U.S. military has a politics problem. Those are all the things that I say because what world do we live in? Right check. Literally was campaigning for Kerry in uniform as a commissioned National Guard officer. Vindman was a registered Democrat. Where the hell is it? There it is. He was never nonpartisan. The whole thing was done because he didn't like Trump. And I think this article, which I don't remember if I read it or not. Um, it's from the Atlantic, Corey Shake. Remarks by America's most senior military officer mark the latest step in the continued erosion of relations between the armed forces and their civilian leaders. The nation's senior military advisor, Mark Milley, is once again in the news for reportedly having described President Donald Trump's post-election rhetoric as Reichstag moment and privately reassured friends and members of Congress that the president and his supporters may try, but they're not going to fucking succeed in preventing the peaceful transition of power. As CNN reports, Milley spoke to friends, lawmakers, and colleagues about the threat of a coup, and although journalists have largely recounted either private conversations or actions like Milley was planning, that is, giving him credit for the things he might have done but hadn't, the comment cast him in a flattering light, a soldier, stalwart in the defense of democracy. And although some of the sources and the subjects himself may be attempting to remake an image tarnished by Milley's decision to march with Trump across Lafayette Square and the combat fatigues during nationwide protests, the American military nevertheless did an admirable job navigating the intergrams between election and inauguration. The proper role of our armed forces in domestic political upheaval is none. And what appears to be what the American people got this election. It doesn't go into the fact that everything he said and what he said in the book is a punishable offense under UCMJ because he has no right to be political. He has no right to get into politics. 20 years. No politics, my friends. Last year, I had Coke's Corner in the Cobra trailer at Fort Irwin where I did talk politics to people who wanted but that was a much senior NCOs. We didn't have any troops. We're not apolitical. He was a Democrat all along. And somehow, some way, the left and the media have forgotten it's not a good thing. Military Times, the military is supposed to stay out of politics, but it keeps getting dragged in. It does. Heritage Foundation, we did read it. The rise of wokeness in military, it's a problem. And we need to fix it because you say it's cool now, but someday a conservative general is going to speak. He's going to be drummed out of the military. And once again, it's just going to be like BLM, James Revenge. You can burn, kill, rape, pillage federal buildings. It doesn't matter. But if you're a Trumper and you walk through the Capitol, you're getting six years to life. 
It's an insurrection. Yet Democrats did it numerous times. I've played it on the show. During confirmation hearings. It was all good. You had no problem with it. Do a few cool stories that I found. They'll move into a very short woke and kick this pig. This is a new ceremony, the 10th Mountain. Division patching ceremony and still sense of pride. And it's one of the neatest things I've ever fucking seen. When you're a new soldier, you go to the last day of your rec bin and your battalion staff, the, the colonel or sergeant major comes and they patch you with the 10th Mountains. You walk around without a patch. And then they all greet you. And as you walk out, every field grade leader in that division shaking your hand and welcome you. And in this is a, a little ser- uh, section where they talk about the history of the 10th Mountain. Now, granted, said on the show, I fucking hate the 10th Mountain. They destroyed the 7th ID. I hate the 10th Mountain. I worked with them in Anaconda, and they let tanks just shoot at our people, and they didn't fucking care. I hate the 10th Mountain. One of the 87th Infantry specifically. Fuck you. Fuck off. Go eat a bag of dicks. But this is a really neat ceremony, because what is really lost in the military now is there is no sense of tradition and legacy, and you're grabbing the torch from the guys before you. And I think it's very important. I remember I was given a project in 1990 at the end before I went to Korea. And I was putting together the 4th of the 31st, which we call the 31st, uh, legacy out of boxes of Vietnam and uh, reports, uh, AARs after missions. This was a proud unit. They fought in Korea. I mean, they did a lot of shit. But we didn't know. And we need to know. Because it does give you that esprit de corps. It makes you feel part of something. I've said it a million times. The Rockasans. They're no different than the 5-0 Deuce and the 327. They're no better. They're no worse. But they got that fucking Tory. And when you're sucking buttermilk, Rockasan will get an extra mile out of a motherfucker. One more hill. One more hill. There's only one more hill. The old adage on a long patrol because there's never just one more hill. Northern Strike builds readiness and challenge in visiting units. They're doing a lot of winter stuff because we're getting ready for cold wars. U.S. Special Operators surprised the hell out of San Diego residents during urban combat training. It might have been nice if they had been something obvious and clear to say that we weren't being attacked by a foreign power. This has happened numerous times. It's kind of scary. The cadet, we did it like two podcasts ago, who just up and died, football player. It's a blood clot in the lung, but nowhere in the story for Military Times do they ever talk about that. This is bad. The national god, god, guard grappling with suicides. And I don't know if I got this or not. No. Hundreds more kicked off of fucking TRICARE because people are fucking stupid. That's pretty much the reason. They're, they're, they're fucking stupid. So, to a shirt, shirt woke, and let me see if I already downloaded this because I don't think I did. I know that beep's annoying. Uh, we're going to have uh, CBS Woke 
MSNBC uh, with some more woke, because that's what we do over on MSNDNC. Some lady babbling her lips. A section, uh, I don't know what this one's about. What is it? I bookmarked these a couple days. Oh, a trans soundbite from our media betters, which is just great. Oh, and I got another tranny one here. Um, no, no, I'll do this in a bit. This is a, this is an actual story. We're going to do this in a bit. So we'll cover it then. Turn it up. Turn it on. Rock it like we fed to the bone. Get on the floor. Run it loose. Gotta put this to let it speak to you. If you need education in the part of scene. If you think you can dance with me. This ain't no joke. Turn up. Let's get a woke. So what concerns you most about the revisions that you're hearing? Well, really what concerns me is the climate around the revisions. Um, I'm certainly not... Uh, uh, a person with qualifications to design a curriculum for AP, even AP for African-American studies. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the board should be free to do their work and do their pilot programs and go through the process um, and not be influenced, uh, not just by my thoughts, but by the thoughts of governors, uh, legislatures who are passing laws uh, who apparently just want a curriculum that makes people feel comfortable and feel good about themselves. Mm-hmm. I think you got to embrace discomfort. Um, I think there is a mistaken belief that somehow the study of African-American history and American history at large is comfortable for African-Americans. It's not. It's hard to watch video of Rodney King. It's hard to look at the picture of Emmett Till. It's hard to watch uh, a bloody Sunday. This is not, you know, uh, activities that we enjoy doing. And so... And how about Tyree Nichols right now in the news? Right now. Mm -hmm. And so when you have, like, laws like this this, uh, Stop Woke law, that prohibits any sort of uh, curriculum or training that makes uh, people feel bad or feel uncomfortable. This is deeply antithetical to the project of education, period. I was asking you, when you came out with the 1619 Project at the New York Times Magazine, I don't think you could have foreseen how much criticism you were going to get. Good or bad that it happened? Um, I mean, you know, it's, a, it's mixed. Uh, I think so much of the criticism is not legitimate critique. It's not coming from people who have engaged with the ideas of the project or the work. But at the same time, um, the more they talk about it, it just actually helps spread the message, right? I wanted us to know the date 1619 to take that date out of obscurity. And certainly it is, it is not an obscure date anymore. Turning now to the inspiring story of one person who fought to break down barriers. The fact that I got my Broadway debut and am fulfilling a mission statement of mine to show the world that it doesn't matter the gender identity of the human being playing the character. All that matters is that you get the character. She got her start at 15, performing drag in her hometown of Portland. But she always wanted to be on the somewhat more traditional stage. So she began auditioning for, and landing, female roles. But overnight success came with consequences. Pressure to perform both on and off stage left Jinx struggling with her own identity. And using alcohol to cope. It was a big realization that I didn't need it anymore. And fucking garbage, goddamn people. So this uh, was. Let me get to the pictures to do a few before we do another soundbite. 
Uh, SMUSA HFX, a student association on campus at Summa Califax, Halifax, held a sex toy bingo, inviting guests of all age to attend. Sex toys for all age. But you can't call them a groomer. The next one, and I know I put it in our little slide thing saying, go fuck yourself, Twitter. To promote a new show called Kinky Boots, a theater and public library in Maryland are partnering to hold a drag event for all ages, especially toddlers and preschoolers. The library receives millions of funding, or tax dollars, to fund freaks. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. We like that. that that's good shit right there. Breaking. And this is good stuff. Attorney General of Indiana responds to Lott's post about gender-affirming care in Indiana and pledges to seek legisla- legislation banning sex change surgeries on minors. Because, once again, you people like abortion keep going too far. So I'm going to play two sound bites back-to-back. Bill Maher destroying Woke. He'll be on CNN. And then a soundbite, and this comes from Chloe Cole. HB1 of Tennessee will protect children from the gender cult. I'm confident we will see a day when children are no longer sterilized and surgically harmed in the name of perverse and sexual ideology in Tennessee. HB1 is now out of committee. Listen to my comments here. And I want you to understand, they're going after the Daily Wire saying this is all Walsh's fault and Walsh is a piece of fucking shit. Take a mirror, look at yourself. You went too far. You tried to indoctrinate kids and parents got pissed and this is what you get. I meant to say, fuck around, find out. And finally, new rule. If you're part of today's woke revolution, you need to study the part of revolutions where they spin out of control because the revolutionaries get so drunk on their own purifying elixir, they imagine they can reinvent the very nature of human beings. (laughs) Communists, Communists thought selfishness, selfishness, could be cast out of human nature. Russian revolutionaries spoke of the new Soviet man who wasn't motivated by self-interest, but instead wanted to be part of a collective. No, it turns out he wanted to be on a yacht in a Gucci tracksuit holding a vodka and a prostitute. (laughs) Not standing in line all day for a potato. (laughs) The problem with communism and with some very recent ideologies here at home is that they think you can change reality by screaming at it, that you can bend human nature by holding your breath. But that's the difference between reality and your mommy. (laughs) Lincoln once said that you can repeal all past history, but you still cannot repeal human nature. But he's canceled now, so fuck him. Yesterday, I asked ChatGPT, are there any similarities between today's woke revolution and Chairman Mao's cultural revolution of the 1960s? And it wrote back, how long do you have? (laughs) Because again, in China, we saw how a revolutionary thought he could do a page one rewrite of humans. Mao ordered his citizens to throw off the four olds 
old thinking, old culture, old customs, and old habits. So um, your whole life went in the garbage overnight, no biggie. And those who resisted were attacked by an army of purifiers called the Red Guard who went around the country putting dunce caps on people. Yeah, who didn't take to being a new kind of mortal being. A lot of pointing and shaming went on. Oh, and about a million dead. And the only way to survive was to plead insanity for the crime of being insufficiently radical, then apologize and thank the state for the chance to see what a piece of shit you are. And of course, submit to re-education, or as we call it here in America, freshman orientation. <laughs> Listen to this story. There's a law professor at the University of Illinois, Chicago, named Jason Kilborn, whose crime was that on one of his exams, he used a hypothetical case where a black female worker sued her employer for race and gender discrimination, alleging that managers had called her two slur words, the type of real-world case these students might one day confront. And knowing the extreme sensitivity of today's students, he didn't write the two taboo words on the test, just the first letter of each. He was teaching his students how to fight racism in the place where it matters most, the criminal justice system. But because he merely alluded to those words, again, in the service of a good cause, he was banned from campus, placed on indefinite leave, and made to wear the dunce cap. Chloe Cole, and I am an 18-year-old detransitioner who fell victim to gender-affirming care as a minor, and I am, I am testifying in favor of this bill. At the age of 12, I began to socially transition from a girl into a male identity and was diagnosed with gender dysphoria after my 13th birthday. After only, after only half a year later, I had my puberty blocked and I was put on testosterone before undergoing a double mastectomy at 15, just after my sophomore year of high school ended. If you, were to ask an ask, if you were to ask an activist what the ideal conditions for transitioning are, they would probably answer with similar conditions to mine. Living in an area where medical transition is easily accessible, having a supportive family and group of friends, and starting treatment as young as possible. I fulfill all this criteria, and yet my transition was still a failure. So what went wrong? The problem lies with me having been put through the process of medical transition in the first place, because it is never appropriate for children in any capacity. From the very beginning, the doctors were negligent. They treated me as if I were an adult who was capable of making informed lifelong decisions that would affect every area of my life from socialization and relationships to sexual function and my ability to have children. They did not present any other option to treat my dysphoria to me or my parents, but they did lie to my, to my parents behind my back and tell them that I would be at risk of suicide were I not allowed to transition. I wasn't suicidal until I underwent treatments. I had several comorbidities that went under the radar or were completely dismissed. You know, comments like that last one remind me of people who leave cults and they really have a hard time because they're you know they're hated by the cult and and this is a cult i don't go i just don't care comments like this and this is what's happened to our society for a very long time sorry for burping in the mic that was gross women don't want an alpha male with muscles that carries a gun we want a feminine male who talks and whisper 
and would not even dare to use a water pistol. And this is the lady that got me banned, so I think it was a fucking setup. So people decided to show them, well, you can have these fuckers. Lakota Man, Dash Dabronsky, Jack Cacciarelli. People responded with that one. Registering for selective service, traditional generals, feminists and women who say they're actually men. I mean, we're, we're so fucked up, yet every fucking media rolls with this shit. This article's from The Telegraph. Feminist student society and universities could exclude trans women. Bristol Students Union. Uh, God, Tony, you got to go buy glasses. This is just fucking ridiculous. Uh, union chiefs back down in row after being sued for disciplining its own female-only group over single-sex policy. And that's a dude. That's not a woman. But we're not going to talk truth. Our media just doesn't do it. Here's uh, another article that's false, and we're pushing it. Humpback whales. Experts explain why humpback whales are washed up on the East Coast. This entire article is fucking bullshit. It's all lies. They're saying that it's uh, fucking migration, warm water, all the reasons that we know are false because they're drilling down there or sonographing for Wind tunnel or wind turbines. God, I'm fucking up today. Then you have this thing. This is another new. This is on Yahoo. It's not a right wing conspiracy. Electric shock. A new study found that EVs were more expensive to fuel than gas powered cars at the end of 2022. Here are three easy ways to save cash no matter what you drive. They're lying. They know they're lying because simultaneously in his policy to destroy fossil fuels, He went after electricity. So you pay more for electricity because most of us aren't getting hydroelectricity like Matt in Oregon. We don't have rivers. You can't dam the Mississippi. Even though it'd be nice if they could. And to show woke creeps everywhere, Tennessee and Nashville's talking about doing a per mile driving tax just like they did over in motherfucking New York, they're doing a congestion tax or congestion tax, which is horse shit. Then finally, Fox Saturday Night Live mocks Trump more than Biden in the first two years. In the first show of 2023, following the emergence of Biden's classified document scandal, where he admitted to store sensitive records in his garage next to his Corvette, SNL chose to instead mock and battled freshman George Santos. Even defeated GOP Carrie Lake and Herschel Walker have more appearances in the 48th season than the sitting president. The NBC program unprecedentedly went for the first eight months of Biden's presidency without mocking him in any cold open, winning until James Austin Johnson made his debut in season 47 premiere that ended in October 21. At the same point during his presidency, Trump was mocked a whopping 20 times. Basically every fucking show. And then this one, which I just, it's 
sometimes I, I just stare at the federal government and go, you, you couldn't do this if you're conservative. You wouldn't be able to use the federal government in every possible way to push your agenda. He uses the DOJ to go after pro-life and parents. He uses NASA to source CO2 emission pinpoint on Earth by NASA's space mission. And in this article that I found, uh, a case study of the largest coal-fired plant shows space-based observation could be used to track carbon dioxide. A duo of Earth-observing missions has enabled researchers to attack and track carbon dioxide emissions from single facilities in the world's fifth-largest coal-fired power plant as a test case. And now they're going to use NASA instead of expanding us and moving us beyond the stars. They're just going to use it for their fucking woke agenda, which is... Everybody live in your fucking house and don't have a fucking life. So, going to our this uh, lighter fare, two freedom tunes. Uh, one is when the shooter wasn't white, and the next one is every Project Veritas who also got banned off Twitter video. <laughs> Did you hear about the shooting? Yeah, it's insane. None of the conservatives will talk about it. How can they claim to be pro-life and just ignore this stuff? Exactly. People are dying. I don't understand how you could be silent. Thank you f for meeting me on this date. And now the delicate art of working information out of this cunning agent of evil. Oh, the pleasure's all mine. Would you like to order- I constantly break the law at the company I work for! Uh... Oh, okay. Thank you for sharing. That was unexpected, but keep it simple. Don't raise any red flags. Let's get his guard down. So, have you eaten here before? I've been told the pepperoni slice is delicious. My superiors encouraged me to violate international law for profit! Uh, oh. Uh, okay. Uh, now we... Plant a very subtle follow-up question, and our delicate waltz continues. So, what kind We're attempting of... to mutate COVID into deadlier variants by passing it through primates! I think this is how the pandemic started in the first place, and I think it's totally awesome that we're doing it! Okay, dude, seriously? Wait, hold on. L let me look at that red blinking light on your chest and say that as a full sentence. I work for a company called Pfizer, and we're engaged in gain-of-function research so that we can make more money. What we're doing is bad for America. You're kind of taking the fun out of this. Hey, uh, I've been sworn to secrecy, but I thought it would be a fun way to get to know each other if I printed out this dossier of all the private messages between my coworkers and I about the laws we're breaking. Here you go. And for our This Is America, this segment on Dan Bondingo's show, my God, sometimes, you know, you think of stuff and, and you think, oh, that's just too extreme. And then you see somebody else talk about it like this and go, God damn, he's so fucking right. And I was right because the left does operate like a fucking mob, man. I mean, it's like a mob organization. They use the federal government to just further their fucking power.
This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Come on, I know it's not just me. We all have this fascination, right, with mob stories. We love the drama, the true crime, the shady deals, the mass corruption. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Why do you do this to me? Because I'm the boss of this family. You forget. Funny how? I mean, what's funny about it? Tommy, no, you got it all wrong. Oh, oh, Anthony. He's a big boy. He knows what he said. What'd you say? You're right. Funny how? What? Just... You're funny. <laughs> it's got me thinking. All the scandals in D.C., they seem to come from some of the same shady deals. Mass corruption schemes, peddling political influence, mob tactics. It's hard to tell the difference sometimes between how the Dems run D.C. and how the mob would run it. The mob's all about control. They leverage fear of retaliation against anyone who doesn't play by their rules. They don't care about your rules. And for the mob, it's always about the money. That's $20,000 for you to not do the hit. Take the money, keep your mouth shut about what you just heard. It's best you're not involved. Take the money. You don't want to go woke? Comply with the woke agenda? That's all right. You're canceled. You won't uh, get the jab? Well, you're a conspiracy theorist, and you may lose your job, too. Winking a nod, right? Be ashamed you lost your job. Dare to look into potential corruption? Well, we'll just weaponize the DOJ and FBI against you. Could be knocking on your door. Sound a little bit familiar? Another mob tactic is operating in the shadows and waiting for just the right time to act. The Obama administration, they were masters at patiently waiting for the right political opportunity. Listen, don't even, you don't have to take my word for it. Here's his former chief of staff just admitting it. You never want a serious crisis to go to waste. And what I mean by that, it's an opportunity to do things that you think you could not do before. Using leverage to advantage your position? Sounds like what Joe Biden's up to, milking the pandemic and the crisis for all the power he can get together. Listen very closely here to what Biden says when asked about ending the COVID emergency. What's behind your decision to end the COVID emergency? The COVID emergency will end the Supreme Court exit. They don't even hide it. Get everything done. They're making sure the crisis doesn't go to waste. Like He is spot on. They are just a fucking mob. So for our close, um, a few things that I saved for the end. Another two police officers shot morning in Indiana. That's three. Every time the media goes into the police or garbage, cops get shot and they don't seem to care. Another study came out about masking and it shows that it actually affects nothing, but yet we're still putting our kids in masks that get them really sick. This one is just, it's every time, it's just like cop shootings. Uh, why does Reuters publish a puff piece that humanizes the 13-year-old Palestinian who shot two Israeli civilians and calls into question whether they even carried out the attack? Where's the focus on incitement? Palestinian teenager dreamt of being a chef before attack, teachers say. Every time. 
this explains why you you have the media and they don't want to discipline people like Omar. They sympathize with terrorists and simultaneously say you're a terrorist just for existing on the planet. Ben Shapiro, as he always does, Chinese spy balloon. Spotted over Montana, conservatives, Biden shoot it down. Media, that would be an act of aggression, you fools. Days later, the balloon is shot down. Media, this is the act of the genius, Dark Brandon. Replies, the Chinese are testing us. Phase one, balloon over Guam. Phase two, balloon over Hawaii. Balloon over southeast coastal waters. Balloon over mainland USA. 10,000 balloons full of troops hovering over America City is. They wouldn't be shot down. Okay, that's just crazy. I'm not going to go with that. But on cue, as Ben Shapiro calls it, the Chinese balloon voyage is more of an intelligent benefit to the U.S. than China. By waiting until the balloon was over water, Biden maximized the likelihood the payload could be recovered while minimizing risks to America. Do you think it's a Democrat? No, that's Joe Scarborough, a Republican who is quoting an article by David Iglesias, a total libtard, the inside story of how the U.S. shot down a balloon. And everything in here is every decision was right. Biden is perfect. No, there's not a connection between Biden and China. And if you say so, you're a piece of shit. Even though we said about Trump, every decision about Russia. No, we're not going to do that now. Biden's timing on Chinese balloon takedown may work in his favor. Delay gave U.S. opportunity to study devices, salvage payload. President also gains leverage after Beijing admitted his mistake. This is when we go into spin mode that everything he did was right. Even though we've already given out, Politico has, that he wasn't going to do shit about it because he was more concerned about GOP getting fodder and a trip to China that would accomplish nothing. And then last but not least, WAPO, uh, post ABC poll finds few Americans are excited about Biden and Trump, and that's why they're going to push as hard as they fucking can to get Trump nominated. Now, as a person who doesn't want Trump to run, I'll still vote for him because I'm not voting for Dementia Boy, who, after I've been banned, people are responding to, oh, he doesn't have dementia. It's the hypocrisy of everything. Every one of my podcasts just laying out how the media is so hypocritical based on what they did before, what they do now. It's so hypocritical. It's like, we don't remember you saying Trump was brain dead, physically disabled, the 25th should be enacted, and he was Putin's butt buddy. So every decision he made on the foreign stage, he was getting approved by Putin before he did it. You said those things. And now we actually have definitive proof that a president was getting money from China through his drug-addled son, and he was the big guy. They still won't cover the laptop, and they won't even equate that every decision he makes with China is a a weak decision because he's beholden to China. We won't say that. Mm -mm. Why would we do that? Are you crazy? He's Darth Biden. 
which wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please share this with family and friends. Go to SoundCloud, Flyover Politic with the K, Rumble, 482467, and at gmail.com. Going forward, uh, today's probably the last video I'm going to post. Not a whole lot of people watch. They mostly um, listen, so I'm still going to produce videos and then... Convert it to MP3 because it's so much easier to do it as a package than it is to do every individual fucking soundbite and verbal thing I do and then insert an audacity that goes on for 10 years and you can only do three-minute blocks. So this software is a lot easier. But I think I'll just post audio a lot because the videos aren't that big a deal. And then when I've got a new thing I really want to show or it's a segment I need um, you to see over actually listening to, I'll do it that way. Disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah yeahs. And we will go with uh, 8 February 2023. I'm hoping the 7th we'll do another one because we'll have the new mic. Let's get the new mic tomorrow or the Tuesday, but the 8th, 9th, or 10th. One of those days we'll do it. I got to do metal detecting on 7th. Going to the lake tomorrow, and then one day this week I got a junkin trip. I gotta go. We got lamps this weekend, but we ran into people that own these huge antique stores in Milan, Tennessee, and we're heading out there. It's like an eighty-mile drive, so I won't podcast one of those days. Sometime this week we'll get another show, and then we'll do a weeknight show. As always, I thank you all for listening, and you take care. <laughs>